Let us now open our Bibles, and as this afternoon we'll pay attention to the Heidelberg Catechism to Lord's Day 16, dealing with Christ's death and burial. We will read in that connection from two passages in God's Word from the New Testament. First, from the letter to the Hebrews. We'll read from Hebrews chapter 2, the verses 9 through 18, and then we'll turn back to the Gospel according to John, reading from chapter 5, the verses 19 to 24. Reading first then from Hebrews 2. Reading the verses 9 through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 9, hear then the word of God. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And so far from Hebrews, then we turn back in Bible to the Gospel of John, reading from chapter 5, chapter 5, the verses 19 through 24, beginning at verse 19, so Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, the, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Congregation, this afternoon we will pay attention to the doctrine of the church as it has been summarized in Lord's Day 16 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Let us read together what we confess concerning Christ's death and burial and his descent into hell. 
There we confess together why was it necessary for Christ to humble himself even unto death? Because of the justice and truth of God, satisfaction for our sins could be made in no other way than by the death of the Son of God. Why was he buried? His burial testified that he had really died. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Our death is not a payment for our sins, but it puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer reign in us, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness. Why is there added, he descended into hell? In my greatest sorrows and temptations, I may be assured and comforted that my Lord Jesus Christ, by his unspeakable anguish, pain, terror, and agony, which he endured throughout all his sufferings, but especially on the cross, has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, wherever we look, we see the power of death at work in this world. You could say we live in a world where the tentacles of death are ever-present. You know, sadly, we live in the midst of a Western culture which has become a nihilistic culture of death. How many millions are, are caught up in a destructive and dystopian lifestyle? Yes, they embrace a despairing and deadly way of life where the relationships in life with others are destructive, where marriages and families and communities are being undermined and ripped apart. A life where many seek out entertainment which is engrossed in destruction and deadly despair. Just think of all the horror films released every year around Halloween, filled with deceit, destruction, dread, and death. And then look at our government. It actually encourages the death of the unborn, the elderly, the mentally and physically ill. Recently I read of a man who was killed courtesy of maid. The cause given for his assisted suicide was hearing loss. And how many are dying this way around us each day? And for more than a year now, there remains a high level of excess of deaths in, in many Western countries, and yet government and media say nothing about this. And what about the deadly destruction of human life by suicide, by drug and alcohol abuse? And what about the destruction and death that comes in war and conflict and genocide? And how many also experience spiritual death? How many millions of people live in alienation from God? They live without any real hope. There's so many around us, you can say, are the living dead, physically alive but spiritually dead. Their lives are nothing more than empty shells. 
as they're caught up in disobedient lifestyles. And how many, unless they repent and believe in Jesus Christ, will suffer eternal death in hell? And what about us, every one of us, as we come to the end of our life, when we meet the last enemy? Have you ever really looked death in the face? The experience of death arouses not only sadness, but also often fear. As many today live in a terrible fear of death, for many at the end of their lives, they see death as the grim reaper and will do anything to be freed from that fear. And that is why it's also important this afternoon that we be directed to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why it is absolutely vital that we hold on to him in a true and living faith and that we also hold fast to our confession of faith. To truly believe that Jesus Christ experienced death in our place. That's why it's good this afternoon that we focus on the words of the Apostles' Creed, what we confess there concerning Jesus' death, burial, and his descent into hell. Let us come to see why, why he suffered death and why we need to share in his death by faith. And let us see how his death is a benefit us with respect to our past, our present, but also our future. Yes, thanks to him, death has been swallowed up in victory. And so let's hear God's word this afternoon summarized in this way. United to Christ in his death, we truly benefit. We'll look at the conquest by his death and the benefits of his death. Now, we need to realize that when God created the world in the very beginning, there was no death in this world. In fact, God created the world full of life. Our first parents were full of life. You could say they were living life to the full. They were living human beings. More than that, they were living with God, living in communion with him, living in communion with each other. And had they continued in that way, yes, they would live forever. Now let us realize that with God, life, true life for us is more than just being full of physical life. It's more than being just healthy, breathing creatures. It also includes being in communion, in fellowship with God and with each other. That's also part of being, yes, full of life. Now, God did speak to our first parents there in the very beginning about the threat of death. You know that so well. God said to Adam there in the beginning, in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. We're talking here about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as we all know, they sinned. They ate of that tree. And as a result, death, physical, spiritual, and eternal death entered into this world. And that's exactly what God made very clear in his word. Made clear that the punishment for sin is death. Just think of what Ezekiel prophesied when he wrote, the soul that sins, it shall die. That's what the Apostle Paul also wrote in his letter to the Romans. The wages of sin is death. 
And so, yes, when Adam, our first parent, sinned and died, so did we all. Yes, all of mankind sinned and they died. Yes, we share in that original sin, the first sin of Adam, and we also then share in the death. Yes, when left to ourselves, indeed, every one of us is dead, dead in our sins and our trespasses. And as a result of that fall, life for all mankind, including us, is a life full of suffering, full of struggle, grief. You could say our life is a constant death. That's what you read in the form for baptism, that this life is nothing more than a constant death. You could say from the cradle to the grave, yes, mankind dies constantly. And when left to ourselves, our life is indeed nothing more than a short and vain battle against death. And eventually we return to the dust from which we were taken, from which we were made. As God has said to mankind there in Genesis 3, dust you are and to dust you shall return. And it's not just us as mankind, but all creatures are subject to the decay of death. And in this way, we can say death is not natural. That's what many claim that the truth is. It is not how God intended it to be. For remember, God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. What is death? Death is the dissolution, the separation of that which belongs together. Mankind was created in the image of God, created to be living with God in communion with God. But when we sever that communion, that fellowship by our sin, yes, we die in that moment and continue to die afterwards. In this way, our life is deprived of of joy and peace and blessedness. Our life in this world has become a dying in sin and and this death, this separation between God and us continues also in our bodies and, and culminates, if left unattended, yes, in eternal death. And this is why we can be so thrilled then that Jesus Christ came into this world. The entire life of Jesus Christ in this world came to fulfillment in his death. For Jesus Christ came into this world to serve, to give of himself, and eventually give his life as a ransom for many, give his life unto death there on the cross. And Jesus was well aware of this is why he was here. In his first public appearance there in the synagogue in Nazareth, he he applied the prophecy of Isaiah concerning the suffering servant to himself. He was well aware of the fact that he would be led as a lamb to the slaughter. Yes, he was the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. But how would this be accomplished? Yes, through his death being the sacrifice unto death. And not much later in his ministry, Jesus taught that the temple of his body would be broken, but after three days it would be raised again. Breaking down of his body spoke of his coming death. And so from the very beginning of his public ministry, 
by way of teaching, by the way of parables, by way of images, it was clear that death was to be the end, the goal of his life, that he would suffer death for our sake. And as that end approached, Jesus gave clear and distinct expression to this. I think especially after Peter made that decisive confession that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then we're told there in that passage, then Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the chief priests and the elders and the scribes and be put to death and be raised again on the third day. Well, his disciples, especially Peter, didn't want to hear about him being put to death in Jerusalem. And yet Jesus remained firm on this point. He said it repeatedly. He was going to die. So he spoke of his coming death. He spoke about how he would surrender himself unto death. And in this way, he would also fulfill all the law of Moses. And he spoke about sacrifices, all those sacrifices of animals, all the deaths pointed, yes, to his death. Yes, his death, you could say, was a sacrificial death. Perfect fulfillment of all the sacrifices offered up there in the Old Covenant. Just think of all the animals that were sacrificed unto death by the priests there in, in Jerusalem. Think of all the lifeblood of the bulls and goats and sheep poured out unto death there on the altar, in the tabernacle, later on in the temple. This is what Jesus' death was all about. It was an offering, a sacrifice of his life. He gave his life up to death. And this sacrifice, this death, was evidence of God's love for us. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't spare his son. No, he, he did, delivered him up for us all. Such is the love of God. But this love of God did not put God's justice aside. For by his death, he also satisfied God's justice. In this way, yes, by way of death, he satisfied God's just wrath against all our sins. But there's more here. His entire life of obedience is viewed as satisfying God's justice. He was truly righteous and just throughout his life. Even righteous and just to the very end as he suffered death on the cross. And so we see Jesus didn't stop the scribes and, and Pharisees from laying hands on him, for he knew his hour, the hour of his death would come, and the servants of the chief priests and the Pharisees would take him captive, they'd deliver him up to the council of the elders, to the Sanhedrin, and it was they who condemned Jesus to death. You see, Jesus yielded in such a way that the, the Jews took him and with the hands of the unjust, they nailed him to the cross. They put him to death. Yet at the same time, we see in, in the death of the Lord Jesus his great power as king. His death was not some kind of accident, something that just happened to happen to him. Rather, his death was a deed which he himself willingly and voluntarily endured it's by his suffering, by his dying on the cross that he as our king was victorious over all his enemies, also over the great enemy death. 
And we read this afternoon from Hebrews 2. And we read there that Jesus came down to earth. He came down to suffer death. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death on the cross. And this death then was for the benefit of us all. That's what we read also in Hebrews 2, verse 9. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It's those words, so that he might taste death for everyone. It's a graphic expression of a hard and painful reality which was suffered by this perfectly righteous man, Jesus Christ. Here he was, a sinless Savior, and yet he experienced death in the greatest degree of bitterness. It was a bitter death. And by tasting death in this most powerful way, he set us sinners from the bitter curse of death, physical, spiritual, and eternal death. For as we read a little further on in Hebrews 2, in the verses 14 and 15, since we as God's children have flesh and blood, he too shared in our humanity, he shared in our flesh and blood, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What we read there is actually quite amazing. The result of Jesus' death is twofold. You see, through his death, he, he conquers Satan, and he also sets us free from the fear of death. And remember who Satan is and what he was up to. Satan is known as the great destroyer. He desired the destruction of God's creation in general, and us in particular. And after the fall there in paradise, Satan had the power of death over Adam and all his descendants, and he used that weapon of death against us. It's not for nothing that Satan is called the murderer from the beginning. What he desired for us was death. He wanted us to all die, for all of us to be dead physically, spiritually, and eternally. That was Satan's end goal. However, it was not Satan, but, but God who pronounced the curse of death on the human race when our first parents fell into sin. And it is God's Son, Jesus Christ, who alone is able to destroy Satan and the power of Satan. And he would do this by means of his death on the cross. That is, Jesus defeated Satan by using the weapon of death. Jesus paid the penalty of sin by giving his life unto death, and that way he set us free from the curse of death. And paying this penalty, suffering the death penalty for us, Jesus took the weapon of death, you could say, out of the hands of Satan. And he also took away from us, as I said earlier, the fear of death. Thanks to him, the curse of sin has been removed from us. All those who believe in the Lord Jesus no longer need to live in fear of death. 
Ye have been set free from bondage, from slavery to death. And we as believers know that not nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. By contrast, if we don't know the Lord Jesus, yes, we face eternal death, where we'll be eternally held in slavery to death. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ. With his death there on the cross, death has lost its sting. It's lost its power, its grip on us. And yes, Jesus truly died. For as we also confess here in this Lord's day, he was also buried. Short little question and answer there, but it says a lot. His burial testified that he had really died. Normally before a burial, some public official must sign a, a death certificate. Well, that's what happened with our Lord Jesus after he died. The Roman governor Pontius Pilate wanted to be sure that Jesus was really dead. He heard the testimony of the soldiers who were there around the cross. And hearing that testimony, he gave permission for Jesus to be buried. He gave permission to Joseph of Arimathea and other disciples to take the body of Jesus from the cross and bury his dead body in the tomb. As the dead are buried. And in this way also, beloved, we can confess that in all of this, Jesus Christ descended into hell. During all the time he lived on earth, but then especially at the end, he endured great sufferings. He endured the full force of death while he hung there on the cross. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There he was, enduring the full fury of death at that time completely alienated, forsaken by his father. That's spiritual death. In this way, you could say, at that point, he descended into the depths of hell. And he went through the full fury of death. That was hell. And there on the cross, then, he, he died in every way. He experienced death. He experienced hell in every sense of the word. Now, to this day, there are those skeptics trying desperately to peddle their theory that Christ really didn't die, that he merely fainted on the cross or, and then later revived. Or when he was on the cross, he merely went into a coma and came out later, or, or even more ridiculous, he fell asleep on the cross. If what they say were right, then the power of death, the great last enemy is still unbroken. We would be forever lost in our sins. Having faith would be for nothing. There would be no need for us to come together each Lord's Day. But the testimony of the gospel is very clear. As we're told there in Luke 23, verse 46, upon saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he breathed his last. He breathed his last. Life left his body. He was really dead. His body was wrapped in linen and laid in a tomb 
in the grave. And a rock was rolled in front of the mouth of that cave. And there his body lay dead for three days. And beloved, this was all necessary. This was all according to the Father's plan. And we, we may, as believers, benefit from his death. And that brings us to our second point. So you might be thinking, so Jesus died, so what? How does his death, how does this great humiliation of the Lord Jesus help us today as believers? Well, we need to remember when we believe in the Lord Jesus, we are joined to him in faith, we have union with him, and when we're united with him in faith, we're also united in his death just like we're also united in his resurrection. As we share in Jesus Christ by faith, we share in his death, we share also in his resurrection, we share in all the benefits that come by these great acts of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that way, you can see that the benefits of Jesus' death are many. And these benefits are there to help us with respect to our past, they're there to help us with respect to the present. They're also there to help us with respect to the future. You see that the benefits of Christ's death help us believers throughout our entire lives. And so in faith, we need to look constantly to the Lord Jesus. We need to appeal constantly to the blood, suffering, death, and obedience of Jesus Christ. For first of all, we need to remember that with his death, Jesus suffered the wrath of God for all our sins. Yes, our well-deserved judgment from God for all our sins fell upon him. And actually, this was the only way satisfaction for our sins could be made. God required this. The only payment sufficient for all our transgressions, for all our sins, for all our rebellion, was to be death. Remember what we heard in the beginning? The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. So who's going to make that payment of death? Are we going to pay, and we're going to pay with our own death? Or do we look to the Lord Jesus in faith and receive the payment which he rendered by his death? Now, nothing we could do, nothing we try can make that perfect satisfaction for our sins. And so in faith, we look to the death of our Lord Jesus. Thanks to his perfect death, we have satisfaction for our sins. We have complete forgiveness of all our sins. When we believe in the Lord Jesus, we know the blessing, the benefit of the complete forgiveness of all our sins. This is why at the end of the day, we may come to God seeking forgiveness in the blood of Jesus as he poured out there with his death on the cross. And in this way, we do not need to be burdened by our sins of the past. As believers, each and every one of us here may rest assured, thanks to Christ's satisfaction, thanks to his death, God will no longer remember my sins and your sins. He gives us the, the benefit of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, his perfect and blessed righteousness. And so 
Each day we may come to our Lord God appealing to Jesus' death, seeking forgiveness in what he accomplished through his death. This way we can stand justified and righteous before our God. But the death of Jesus is not just a benefit for us with respect to our past, it's also a benefit for us in the present, for us right now. That's also clear from what we confess here in, in question 43. There it is asked, what further benefit do we see from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Well, as we confess here, through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with him. Remember what I said earlier? We are joined to Christ. We are united with him by faith. We have union with him. And when Christ was crucified, put to death, and buried, we as believers in him, with our old sinful nature, is also crucified, put to death, and buried. So we're joined to him in faith. And in that way, we share in his death, burial. And one of us is crucified and put to death and buried with him. It's our old nature, our sinful nature, our fallen nature, call it whatever else. That's what's crucified, put to death, and buried with him. And in this way, then you see that our old nature, our old sinful nature, our old self no longer rules us. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We're no longer slaves to Satan. To be sure, sin still remains within each one of us as long as we live in this life. Yet over against our, our depraved nature, our fallen nature, we have received the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and He is the one who leads us he rules over us. And it's in Christ then that we're able to go in the other direction. We offer our lives as sacrifices of thanksgiving to him. As it says there in 2 Corinthians 5, he died for all in order that we who live should not live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. And so we are then in the power of the Spirit to to actively resist being caught up in the deadly lifestyles of this world around us. And thus we need to pray. We need to pray for discernment from above, the discernment of the Spirit so that we can come to see the, the need to rid our daily life of old sinful habits and patterns and replace them with holy and godly habits and patterns of making much better choices when it comes to how we speak, to how we work, how we entertain ourselves, how we treat our bodies. It is in this way, yes, then the forces of death will be pushed back in this world. If we are to rid ourselves of this culture of death in which we are living, it starts with how we live and how we work and how we enter entertain ourselves each day. Now, there are more benefits. There are more benefits when we are joined to Jesus Christ and joined to him in his death. And it comes also out in this Lord's Day when it's asked, since Christ died for us, why do we still have to die? So we're seeing a benefit that speaks to the future. 
Well, as we know, for us believers, death is not a payment for our sins. If we would see our deaths as payments for our sins, then death would be seen by all of us as a, indeed a grim reaper. And that would make death incredibly fearful. Imagine you have to make that payment. But remember, the payment has been made. The payment of death has been made. It's been made by Jesus Christ. He came under God's just judgment. He suffered God's condemnation unto death. Thanks to Jesus, death has lost its power. It's lost its sting. No longer does death bring us separation from God, but it's through death that we are brought closer to God. For in the moment of our death, when we pass from this life, we then also pass on to the life to come with Jesus Christ in heaven. What is death then for us who believe it is merely an entrance into the fullness of eternal life with Jesus Christ? As the Apostle John wrote in his gospel account, he who believes in Christ has eternal life and comes not into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. One moment we are in this life, and that is the beginning of eternal life, and then we die, and in the exact moment when we die, then we enter into the blessedness of eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. Then we enter into the fullness of that eternal life. And so you see that death is for us nothing but a gateway, an entrance into the blessedness of eternal life with Jesus Christ forever. And that day we'll discover that there's nothing left to be feared beyond the grave. What lies before us is perfect life in Jesus Christ. Indeed, a perfect life. For in this life, we are still plagued with our old nature, our sinful nature. We struggle with the results of the fall into sin. We deal with sickness and disease and handicaps and pain. In this life, we still struggle with the miserable consequences of the fall in the beginning. Yet with our death, as we confess here, an end is put to all our sins to all our sinful tendencies, we throw them off like dirty clothing and we enter to the life that is with Jesus Christ where we will praise him forever. And then we can in that way look forward to the end. Then at the very end when the Lord Jesus returns, death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. No longer will there be any separation or alienation from anyone again. And so let us sing, beloved, let us sing of Christ's death with joy. Let us sing, and we'll do this shortly. These words, it was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended the victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. Holy Scripture plainly says, His death has swallowed up our death. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. Amen.